Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take research from the equine industry and try to make it accessible for owners and enthusiasts. Each horse is an individual, so with that in mind, you should always seek professional advice before implementing the research we discuss. This week, you're joining us back for part two, a paper that we're discussing that is looking at fear in horses. So this week, we're looking at the impact of riding in a coercively obtained roll cur posture and what implication this has on welfare and the fear of the performance horse, which was a really interesting study to look into. But just as a little introduction, to explain Rolker, it's the hyperflexion of the horse's neck. So we have discussed this in one of our previous episodes where we looked at the use of bits and bridles. But specific to Rolker, it's this real hyperflexion where the horse's neck is tucked right in and it's caused through force. So it's not the horse naturally holding its head in this position. And it is something that Um, has been looked into it's used a lot in dressage and the international equestrian federation have actually banned it in the lead up to major events and i know that in lower levels of competition it is strictly penalized but from what i've come across apparently it's not as much so in higher levels so there doesn't seem to be as many penalties from the judges for using it so it's still a hot topic of discussion International Society for Equitation Science has said that coercive riding may be linked to so-called wastage, which eventually leads to euthanasia or slaughter of these horses um, because they become unfit for riding or sport usage due to physical or behavioral problems. And we all know how wastage is such a problem because we have such a high population of horses not being used, especially in America. And um, they get better homes and better care if they can be usable in a sport discipline or for pleasure. So the more well-trained your horse is and willing to do a job, um, the better or likelihood of its welfare will be. And that's one of the things they found actually that they mentioned in the study is the reason why people are using Rolker is a lot of riders actually said they found the horses more responsive Um, And I think that does just tie in, like, are they fit for the purpose the rider wants them for? Are they going to do what they're asked to do? You know, and that leads to the horse being kept and the horse being looked after versus if it's not doing what the rider needs and wants it to do, especially in a business setting, then the horse isn't going to be kept. But the riders reported that the horse was um, a lot more responsive and would carry out whatever... um, signals that the rider was giving or what they wanted them to do but they have actually hypothesized that the reason why horses are more responsive in this position is that it is so restrictive that their head is pulled in so far their vision is severely hindered in the direction of travel they're moving in so then they rely on the rider to actually take cues as to where to go 
equilibrium, which makes them a little fearful because how often, if anyone's ever had a little dizziness or vertigo, um, it probably would increase heart rate and increase fear. And so they get a little bit more energetic or lively, which is always desired, but for the wrong reason. Yeah. And that was interesting because they said that the effect it has on the equilibrium has psychological effects then on the horse. Whereas in a lot of studies, when they look at roll cart, they are evaluating welfare in terms of pain and what physically is happening. So the physiological effects, but there's very few studies that actually look at the psychological effects on the horse. And that's why this whole PhD was so interesting because we know that fear is a psychological effect that is incredibly dangerous for both the horse and the rider. Psychological effect has a physiological effect, which rises um, heart rate. However, when you're riding, you're already having an increase in heart rate due to the exertion. So that is why this study is so awesome that it introduces preference training. And we'll get into that once we start describing the different tests that they put these horses through. So the beginning of the study is they wanted to basically determine whether a horse will show fear in this roll curve position compared to a horse showing um, fear to the same stimulus in a normal riding method. So they're relaxed um, mm -hmm. relaxed head position, really. Was in the shape of a Y. So you enter at the stem of the Y and then you can go right or left. And one was with roll curve position behind the vertical. And the other one was a neutral position where the nose is in front of R at the vertical. So um, they did those a number of times, and I think it was uh, 15 horses and six, they were all warm bloods, six dressage horses, four stadium jumper and dressage. So they, they did both discipline and then five stadium jumping horses. None of these horses had any experience riding under roll curve. Now, the author did say that she would have liked to have had a higher sample size, but she could not get owners to uh, approve their horses being ridden in roll curve. So this is kind of becoming an issue that is a welfare issue in the horse industry, and people are starting to, to kind of realize it can be a concern riding them even in the vertical. So that's where their nose is pointing directly at the ground. And if you look at your own horse at home, when it's relaxed, even when you're out trail riding, mm -hmm. they have this nice long neck and their head is more outstretched. So if you can imagine their neck is lifted up and their nose is vertical um, to the ground, and that is still considered within the relaxed range, whereas roll curve is it's pulled yeah. in beyond that again. Um, if you are interested in getting a visual for this, then we do have a picture on our Instagram page, conversations.equine.science. Um, so if you go on there, you'll be able to see it was on the episode from when we did the bridles. 
and I can put that visual up this week again, but it really does just show that degree of flexion within the neck. One interesting part is that they use seven highly skilled riders who knew the horses or owned the horses that they were riding. So they had some familiar um, relationship with the horse they were on. So rider influence really didn't make that much of a difference in this study. And then um, they did a Y maze. One arm of the Y was painted black. The other arm was painted beige. And then the uh, stem of the Y was blue. And these variables helped in the preference testing because um, when they came up with preference testing, they realized that they had to give um, some variables that a horse can connect with. So um, one of the first studies was a blanket test where they used abstract symbols on a board um, and trained the horse to know what those symbols meant. And one of them was blanket on, another one was blanket off, and then there was one that said no change. So they came up to uh, realize that cognitively, these horses could make a choice if they were trained to know what the symbols meant. So in this study, the symbols are the arm of the Y for our no roll curve, the neutral position, and then the uh, color, black or beige, and then the um, style of riding that the rider actually implemented. So you had your three variables that a horse could make a preference from. And in the study, it did find that the horses preferred, obviously, the more relaxed riding methods. Because in the roll curve method, they exhibited more signs of um, pain. And it really is subtle signs that we see with horses when they do this. So tail swishing and mouth opening was more common with the roll curve than it was in the more natural method of riding them. And they also found as well that their heart rate increased when they were in the roll curve, um, especially when they encountered fear. And they took far longer to approach the fear stimulus in yeah, the roll curve method as well. I also thought it was interesting that under the roll curve, um, they had more backing up, groaning, the whites of the eye were showing, and none of these were exhibited under the neutral position. And I will also add that they needed to be more aggressive in the roll curve, uh, riding with more spurs, whips, and leg pressure than in the um, neutral position are the relaxed pole flexion test. So it really um, was pretty much um, indicative that the horses preferred the uh, neutral position. And what they would do is they rode into the maze on a loose rein and let the horse choose which arm of the Y they would go into. So, um, the results were that 14 horses out of 15 chose the neutral position. And um, then the behavior was also noticed. So that backing up and the whites of the eye and then the more um, leg 
pressure needed to get them to go into that Rolker arm. So it was a really interesting study. And I just think we're going to see that preference testing is going to be um, equitation sciences testing of the future. Now that we know horses can cognitively make those choices. It's incredible the cognitive ability that the horses have um, and that they were able to carry out a test like this, that they were able to, you know, teach them and let them make a decision. Because I think that really is just like it's just taking so many steps forward in animal welfare, because often I think the thing that holds us back is that we can't communicate as effectively as we want to. So I thought that was really amazing about this study. And the other thing that I found interesting was so as you said Nancy the horses that were ridden in roll car the riders found they had to kick them or whip them or use their spurs more to make the reluctant horse move forward and I just thought applying that to like general riding when you're in a situation where your horse is afraid and they're starting to get um, a bit fresh and they're you know kind of maybe hopping on their feet a little bit moving sideways you know they're anxious they don't want to go forward I think the first thing that I've always done is always tighten up the reins without thinking because you think oh I need to get some more control but actually pulling their head in further is not going to help the situation right it most probably will create more head tossing and more of those behavior issues that you know doesn't really make for a good pleasant ride I think as well, when it came to this study, the findings did indicate what has been discussed now for a long time within the equine industry, that roll car is potentially uncomfortable for horses. And we know that if we're forcefully holding their head in this position, we are going to cause some form of pain. But the underpinning thing in all of this research really is that if we're inflicting something like that on such a large animal that we're sat on top of, we have to remember, you know, how vulnerable we can actually be. Because I think growing up with horses and working with horses, you get this fearful um, or fearlessness about you that doesn't always serve you. And just because you've always been around horses and you feel confident with them, don't mistake it for being overly brave and thinking that riding in these positions doesn't increase your risk of becoming injured because we're all human at the end of the day. And unfortunately, we all end up getting tossed or tumbled at yes. some point. Sometimes we forget that, you know, at any moment they can just say enough is enough. We're not doing this anymore. And some even hold it in and get a learned helplessness um, syndrome but then all of a sudden they'll explode. So the fear test results of this study had much more fear response during roll cur than um, during the neutral pole flexion as well. And I thought that was interesting that even approaching the fear object, which could have been a fan or an umbrella, um, that amount of time it took for the horse to actually want to approach that object um, was 2.25 minutes under roll cur and uh, neutral, it was an average of 1.19 minutes. So um, that's quite a bit wow. of difference when you're talking about time. 
like the amount of time that horse is in fear and you know yourself when you get a fright and your heart starts racing like home alone and you hear a bang in the house and you think oh god someone's definitely broken in to be in that amount of fear for over two minutes like that really is I mean it seems forever when you're the rider but um I did do have to admit there was one horse that seemed to prefer the Rolker. However, they had put a cap on this for horse welfare of 35 attempts maximum at letting the horse choose one, uh, you know, why branch or the other. And one horse did pick Rolker branch of the Y 23 times. He picked the other 11 times, but at that point they had to stop. So, um, you know, it's hard to say, but we do have to say there was one horse that seemed to choose that way to go. And but 14 out of 15, that tells you about 93.3% of the time the horse is preferred to go in a more uh, neutral position. It would be interesting to see that horse ridden not within a maze in Rolker and see if that is just their preferred side to nap towards. Do you use that term as well in the States, napping, when a horse is just like moving away or not yeah. listening I to your aids? One, I wondered as well if they the same result would have been if the Y would have been placed in a more neutral position. Because at one point, the one branch of the Y went towards the barn and the other branch went towards the driveway. So if that would influence a horse that wanted to go in the stall, because they said sometimes horses would prefer standing in a stall to a bad session of exercise. And by bad, I mean um, constant coercive riding or, you know, just uh, a rider not being empathetic towards trying to figure out what was going on that day. So um, I didn't see where they specifically listed where the Y was set up at that point in time, because they did eventually move it to a neutral position. So, but anyway, I thought uh, one out of uh, 15 horses, that's not very good. So and as well, it could it could also be down to that horse's understanding of the conditioning that right. it's had beforehand. Yep. And, and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of variables that you try to eliminate in these studies. But, you know, just like heart rate with a walk trot test, well, your heart rate is going to go up regardless because of the exertion. So you just have to kind of look through and another researcher will come in and repeat the experiment and see if you get the same results. So that's what I get excited about is when some of these research, this research comes out and then we're given the opportunity to repeat it and see what we get. And it always just ties into, I mean, we've said it in a couple episodes now, but you can forever build on research. And I think if you're scientifically minded, you just find that fascinating, you know, like you do all this research and this paper was huge. I think the biggest paper we had looked at before this was maybe, oh, was it 10 pages? This one, 
I mean, this one was like 180 yep. pages. And, um, we, I guess we should uh, wrap it up by, I want, if you want to, Kate, do you want to talk about what the genetic finding was? Yeah, so just an overall conclusion for the paper. Um, we didn't really go in depth on the genetics part because there really wasn't a huge amount to discuss with it. But there was one interesting finding. So when it came to the study on genetics, they found that show jumpers um, had basically less fear um, in reacting to fearful stimulus than, for example, dressage breeding lines or even mixed genetic background. So genetically, they were saying show jumping breeds tend to be less fearful which is interesting because then we could technically breed horses to have less fear, but then you've got implications of that. So, you know, then you affect their temperament and we may not have a desired temperament or we can have some knock-on effects as well with training and things like that. But I think one of the interesting findings they found with it was that if you are a leisure rider, in the interest of safety, you are looking to get a warm-blooded horse, then you really should be focusing on selecting horses that have high genetic merit in show jumping because they will be safer to ride. And two, that with show jumping, they come across all kinds of jumps with flowers and uh, bridges and poles and things that flap in the wind. I just think maybe sometimes it's a phenotypical um, element as well, that that's what they're exposed to over and over and over. So the fear test of the fan with the streamers blowing or the umbrella opening and closing really didn't affect them as well because they've been exposed to so many other things as far as even water jumps go that seem to glisten and uh, it might just be the environment too as well. So I didn't put a lot. I know things are genetically um, passed from one generation to the other, such as that rat experiment that you brought up a couple episodes yes. ago. That's fascinating. And so I think people should um read into the genetics but then also all you know you can't do anything more excellent than proper training i think it really is that nature versus nurture question yep, yep. And, and i think you've got your genetics your environment the result of what you're dealing with today with your horse is just an accumulation of things that have happened in the past. Definitely. And that was the overall conclusion is just the rider plays an important role in both inducing nervousness in the horse and in inducing nervousness in themselves and transferring that and how really we can do better to try and control that to make it more safe for us and for our Good horses. Point. And I'm, um, also, <laughs> it's amazing we got through this episode because Kate told me there's flooding going on in Scotland and the internet is iffy. So if you hear some pauses and all that this week, it's amazing we got this 30 minutes done. <laughs> This has definitely been the hardest one to record because I I feel like I keep hearing like snippets 
Um, but yeah, there was incredible thunderstorms and flash flooding across Scotland. And the um, Wi-Fi and internet went down, I think across the whole of the UK, but certainly across Scotland and has been iffy now since. It's been about two days. Um, and also, I hope you don't hear the background noise, but there's actually a parade going on outside my house at the moment, which if you're interested in like Scottish culture, definitely give this a Google. It's called the Burry Man Parade. So it's B-U-R-R-Y-M-A-N. And it is a like Scottish tradition that I think goes back to the 1600s just in the little town I'm in and the photos are hilarious so it's definitely worth I'm a look. I'm definitely gonna google that because it's one thing I appreciate so much is Scottish tradition when you visit I mean you, there is um, so much history so much tradition it's phenomenal for the tourists and it just draws you in so um, I'm definitely going to Google that. And Kate, what do we have on board? It's your turn to pick the research. So why don't you tell them what's up for next week and we'll call it a day. So next week, I thought we would look at a paper by Anna Awun. I'm sure it's pronounced Awun um, et al. And it's reported behavioral differences between geldings and mayors. And the idea is to challenge sex-driven stereotypes in ridden equine behavior. Ooh, that sounds pretty good. So uh, make sure you tune in next week. And Kate, did you have anything else to add? We might have lost. Oh, you're there. I was just going to say, as always, if you do want to send us voice notes or send us research um, that you would like us to look into, even if you're not into research, that's the whole point of the podcast. So if there's just an area you're interested in, feel free to contact us. Let us know. We can look up the research for it. And you can do that um, through any of the sites that you use to listen to us. But you can easily do that through Anchor as well. So do just reach out and let us know. And if you'd like to support the, re the reviews of the research we're doing, you can click on that support button as well. Okay, well, thank you, everyone. Thanks, Kate, for getting through this with me. And uh, everyone <laughs> check out the homepage because we'll have those diagrams as well and a little bit of a synopsis on what we've said today. Perfect. So we'll see you next thank week. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Take care.